Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Joy Pullman. She is the executive editor of The Federalist, a happy wife, and I think happy mother of six, also uh, an author. And today, we're going to be talking about uh, this ridiculous trial that's taking place in Finland uh, that should scare everybody when it comes to religious freedom. Joy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So maybe we can just kind of do a, a thumbnail sketch of, uh, what's her name? Uh, Pavi Rosanna, Rosannon, I think, um, uh, a member of the uh, government in Finland, and she's being prosecuted for doing what? Uh, so, uh, yeah, Mrs. Rasanen is being prosecuted for, um, in 2019, tweeting a picture of a Bible verse in response to her um, state church's uh, decision to sponsor a homosexual parade in, in um, Finland. Um, so, uh, obviously, uh, the Bible and classic Christian teaching states um, that that is inadmissible, and so she was pointing that out, and that caught the notice of this uh, country's top prosecutor who decided to use um, the case to bring her up on hate crimes charges and went digging through her, um, you know, many, many years of public life. Um, Mrs. Rasmussen is a, a member of parliament. She's been a member, she's been the minister of the interior for Finland, you know, very prominent um, politician. She's been the leader of her political party in, in the parliament. So there was a lot for the prosecutor to go through. And in the course of that, basically, investigation into her entire life, Finland's prosecutor uh, found other statements that she had made um, basically um, supporting, you know, again, classic Christian teachings on marriage and why God made men and women different and how he joins us together in union and and marriage. Um, She had especially written a booklet in 2004 before Finland's hate crimes law was passed, um, basically explaining those basics about um, Christian theology from her um, position as a medical doctor. Um, and so that also ended up calling the bishop who published that book that she had written also into court. So um, and so that the, her trial was heard, um, uh, finished, concluded on February 14th. And now we're awaiting the court's decision expected at the end of March. And, and the punishment could be up to two years in jail, right? Right. And so the, the punishment could include up to two years in jail. The prosecutor has specifically asked for financial penalties um, up to a third of um, Paivi's uh, income, annual income, as well as financial penalties on the church charity that published her, her religious booklet about marriage. Um, and, you know, I, I read it, I don't know, it may have been in your article, but, you know, what they were trying to do with, with, prosecuting her has almost backfired because I hear the pamphlet is now like produced in different languages and and, thousands of people are getting a copy of what no one probably had heard of except for a small group in Finland. That's right. And so I interviewed Paivi maybe a couple of weeks ago, and she told me that not only has, you know, her very small booklet published by the independent Lutheran non-state church um, there in Finland, which is, you know, relatively small and not government supported, you know, so it was, it had before her prosecution, you know, had a very limited audience. um, And now it's been translated, you know, and it's been 
and basically every continent in the world, in, in, including you know Africa, Asia, and, and in multiple languages. And in addition, she said, because of her case, Finnish media have been discussing Bible verses, you know, the, the Christian teachings about sex and marriage, um, you know. Uh, so it's kind of you know it had a, a dual effect of both the, the prosecution of Christianity, which is against you know democratic and classic Western norms of freedom of religion and speech. You know, so that's troubling, but at the same time, it has also kind of revived those teachings and the discussion of them in the public square. Well, and it's amazing. And I think the the quote from the Bible that, that got her in the hot water was, I think, what, Romans 1, 24 through 27. Um, you would think that, you know, if you really want to embrace a free civil society, that free speech shouldn't be an issue, but... The the LBGTQ lobby has gotten so strong, I mean, ridiculously so, that if you even look cross-eyed at them, they're coming after you. Well, and that, I mean, that's an interesting thing because, again, you know, the sort of LGBT activists that kind of control public discourse on this matter do not reflect, you know, the opinion of not only of um, all, you know, people right. who designate themselves as part of that category, but also, you know, but because free speech and freedom of religion protects gay, you know, and transgender yep. people also, they want freedom of speech. Many of them have religious beliefs, you know, um, and so that is also protection afforded to them. So what is not a protection available to everyone are these identity politics laws that give special preferences and basically end legal equality by creating special preferences only for people who are members of some identity class. Well, and, you know, and I couldn't agree with you more, right? I mean, people, we all we all struggle with something, but free speech is free speech. We ought to be able to discern what we what we want to listen to and what we don't want to listen to. But to have state government censorship uh, is draconian. And it really is an affront to everybody, even the groups and some of these extremists that, that push this to the extent, uh, you know, eventually it will end up backfiring on them, but they can't see the forest from the trees. Right. So Pete Paivi pointed out to me that, you know, so now that sexuality has become a political rather than, you know, a religious and private issue, um, you know, but but the, the the protection of speech rights for the minority actually allowed that to be the case. Right. So, you know, LGBT activists relied on the freedom of speech to make their case as a minority group, you know, for these protections. And then once they gained these protections, they turned around and tried to shut down them, kind of roll down the very ladder that allowed them you know, to, to, you know, win their own, their advances in society, to kind of deny that opportunity to other people to engage freely in the public square that they themselves um, needed. So again, you know, free speech protections are good for everyone and, and they are especially needed for minority groups. And that's what's really being lost here um, by, yeah, by people trying to, you know, sensationalize and, and target um, people for the religious views. Um, but we have to remember that Freedom of speech, freedom of religion protects everyone. And when it's challenged like this, it's a very dangerous thing, not only in Finland, but all across the world, especially the Western world, where, you know, the laws being used to prosecute this Christian are becoming increasingly common and they're operative here in the United States as well. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to get into. I mean, people maybe listen and say, well, that's in Finland, you know, that's far away, not a big deal. But it really should be on everyone's radar because... This decision, not that it's, you know, precedent setting, but this decision really can open Pandora's box to other places that will say, hey, we're going to do the same thing, right? 
Well, yes, because especially because courts right now all across the Western world have become less tethered to law and more tethered to kind of basically the political winds. Um, you know, that's been happening all across the West, including, as probably readers know, in the United States. That means that, you know, basically when one leftist court, you know, decides to rewrite the law, then it's a cue to all the others that they can take similar liberties and even go farther. You know, so we, we are in a midst of an undermining of the rule of law in our courts. That also is a factor in this use, you know, of uh, basically this erosion of individual liberties that protect the equal rights um, that government constitutions all throughout the Western um, world guarantee to all. But the other thing, again, to notice is that, um, um, yeah, the other thing to notice is that, as, as you mentioned, this is not an isolated case that does, isn't going to matter for people across the world. This case is very likely not only to, to go to Finland's Supreme Court, um, but it also has the possibility of going to the European Court of Human Rights, which, again, claims the authority over all of Europe. And again, you know, that law is very closely watched, and those advances are very closely watched by activists in the United States. And, you know, already, you know, the leftist um, legal side of the U.S. legal profession uh, considers European law to be something that they take into you know, consideration when they make decisions here in the U.S. So this is not an isolated, random thing that only will affect Finland. This is very much a global matter um, that affects all of us who care about free speech um, and individual liberties and governments following the rule of law and, and ensuring equality to all their citizens, regardless of you know who they go home to and, and what they say. Well, and I think, you know, religious liberty ought to be something everybody's very concerned about because there's a lot of fires going on in the world. But if we lose our ability to live our faith in the public sector, we see what happens, right? We even have here in the United States and, and you see it in Canada, right? We've had people fired for not using people's preferred pronouns. You got Jack mm -hmm. the cake maker in, in Colorado for 10 years. They've been coming after this guy. Um, so to think that this is, hey, this is in Europe and I think we're good uh, would really be like being an ostrich and putting your head in the sand because we we have problems here. We even had a football coach who was fired. I think the case is actually going to the Supreme Court for kneeling at, on the field after the game and praying. Um, so these attacks are becoming more and more um, throughout the United States, aren't they? And that, and the absolute, that, that's definitely true. And, and, um, it, sometimes even if courts end up vindicating the constitutional rights of Americans to freely express themselves and to worship publicly and openly, um, you know, the process can be a punishment in itself. The very fact that someone thinks that, you know, they would have a chance of winning in a court if they punish someone for praying, you know, in public or for, you know, taking his Christianity to work as in the case of Jack Phillips in Colorado with the bakery. And, and try to commandeer people, force them, you know, force them into um, participating in, in ceremonies that uh, violate their consciences. The idea, you know, the fact that they basically there's this, um, you know, open season on public expressions of Christianity is a very troubling cultural development. Again, even if courts ultimately do end up vindicating their rights, which they don't always do. Well, and it can be very expensive, right? It can put people out of business, yep. depending on these how these processes go i mean social repercussions yep yeah and the lord reminds us right know that if the world hates you it hated me first right this isn't something that right. we should be surprised at but it should be something we shouldn't be afraid of either right we can't let these bullies because this is really a two-issue thing right it's the ability to live your uh, religious freedom but it's also 
censorship that we see here with big tech and we see it with our government and we saw it with COVID and we see it with all kinds of things. If they don't like what you say, then we're trying to erase you and erase any comments that you may have made. And that I think really underscores, I think, the spiritual dimension of this entire discussion. It's fascinating to me that the thing, you know, that um, one political side really hates is words being spoken. <laughs> you yeah. know, so uh, so they are very much aware of the, you know, the, not just the social, but poss- you know, the theological implications of speaking the truth and seeking that truth openly and, you know, using the public square to do that. So I think, you know, those of us who want to use our words to search for the truth and to express what we believe is the truth um, to each other, you know, need to understand that this is uh, not only a legal and cultural battle, but a spiritual one as well, which, you know, you're referring to scripture. The Bible also tells us, you know, that um, we we wrestle not with flesh and blood, right, but with principalities. And so um, Christians need to be aware about the power of speaking the truth. And therefore, in fact, Paivi told me this, she really um, hopes that her case will, as it has for many people, not scare Christians or others, you know, who have strong beliefs that matter to public discussion, but will embolden them to speak the truth in love. Um, because if you don't use those rights, then they're more likely to be eroded and taken away. And and Christians speak, of course, out of love for our neighbor in order to, you know, because we believe that the truth brings healing to people um, in the long term. And so we have to be motivated by that desire, that love for our neighbor to not be silent, even though we may be afraid or we may face repercussions um, for speaking out. Yeah, and I've mentioned before in other shows that we need to pray for people just because they don't agree with us. They're not our enemy. They're people we need to pray for them because we would want them to pray for us. But there really is this sense of the world of false compassion, right? It's it's. You know, let's lie to somebody, whether it's transgender, whatever it may be, to tell them everything's fine. When we know that if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, when we lie, we're going against the Lord. So we can't, in good conscience, use a different pronoun for somebody that's that's not true. And if we love them, right, the love of somebody show, is shown by telling them the truth, not some lie that uh-huh. someone down the road, they're going to be like, why didn't you tell me? Yes. I mean, speaking the truth is an act of love, and it is commanded of Christians. And in fact, if you are willing to lie to someone, you are showing that you despise them. That's just the plain truth. And that's, you yep. know, that's a philosophical thing that many Christian philosophers have made very clear. You know, again, you know, of course, Christians should try to speak the truth in the kindest way possible, but that sure. doesn't mean that they should withhold it. Because, you know, again, if, if people, when they believe lies, they make errors that har- gravely harm themselves and harm other people. So you speaking the truth to them in the kindest way possible is an effort to prevent, you know, them from sinning and harming themselves and other people. So, again, speaking the truth is is uh, an act of love. Um, and, and Christians um, shouldn't believe that falsehood that, quite frankly, you know, is, is created in order to, uh, you know, by the forces of lies, right? The forces of lies want you to shut up and, and not love your neighbor by speaking the truth. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, I interviewed Walt Heyer, who went through uh, the transition from, you know, what he thought was male to female and ended up realizing what he did was a mistake and, and came back. But one of the things that struck me from the conversation was he said, no one told me the truth. Everyone just agreed with me because they were afraid. And mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have believed them, but I just wish somebody would have told me the truth while I was struggling with this. 
Oh, I, I know Walt, actually. He's a wonderful man. And he, yeah. you know, the listeners, if you are hearing his name, pray for him right now. He needs all the support, you know, and, and prayers that he can get. And so, I mean, but he was out. I mean, I've, I don't know about you, but I've been in also places where I have been deluded, foolish, you know. And if I and, and, and looking back on that period, those periods in my life, I also had the same thought. I wish someone had said something to me, you know. Or, or just ask me a question, you know, what are, you know, what are you doing in this? You know, tell me more about this. Can you, you know, and, and, and that hope could have prevented again, my own suffering. And so this is those of us who have made errors in our lives. We all wish that someone would have spoken up and helped stop us. And so you, we all need to be that person for other people. Well, and growing up, I made many poor decisions. I probably still do. And I remember my dad would, would be the hammer and I never liked it. But I look back on it and think, thank goodness he was doing that because who knows what, what what would have happened or where I what roads I would have traveled had I not had that kind of discipline and that kind of truth, even though I didn't like it at the time. Oh, I mean, I feel the same way about not, yeah, my, my parents, too. When I was a kid, you know, they did all kinds of things that I thought were terrible, you know, such as limiting my TV and media consumption, you know, checking in on who I was hanging out with and all the rest. But again, as now as an adult and a parent, I think, thank you, mom and dad, for saving me from so much grief. <laughs> and it's the same for, you know, other mentors and friends in your life. And I, I pretty much can't think actually of any time that I regret someone speaking up and just, you know, just checking, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, when they thought it was appropriate. It, it's a blessing to have friends and family who will do that for you. Well, because when you look at it, you realize who actually loves you and who doesn't, right? It's it's really interesting when, when we can look back in hindsight, which means that's the way we should be now. And, you know, the funny thing is we have governments censoring what's going on, what's being said because they don't like it, yet the government has no problem, you know, lying or, you know, giving various shades of the truth, whether it's you know, on COVID or Black Lives Matter or whatever, right? We, we, we were censored from the media. That's why I think The Federalist is such a good publication. People should be reading it because you can get an objective view about what's going on instead of listening to, you know, MSNBC or somebody like that. Well, thank you for saying that. I actually do think of that as basically my job is information warfare, which is, as I've mentioned earlier, partially spiritual warfare. So in that effort, I also invite your listeners to pray for me. Um, and, you know, the other people who do take public stands because we need all the prayers we can get and it's very difficult and we can, you know, those do affect and support us. Yeah. And I think you guys do a very good job. And, you know, I, I've read a bunch of your articles and uh, I, I especially like the last one, which is a little off topic. But, you know, Americans who voted for Joe Biden owe the rest of us an apology. Right. I mean, the world is going to hell in a handbasket and his, his administration and I've spoken to other people really have a bullseye on religious freedom and on censorship. So they are not behind what's going on in Finland in terms of timing. They are ahead of them, and they actually supported Trudeau and his crackdown on the truckers and, and confiscate, you know, freezing bank accounts and treating them like terrorist criminals. It really is a tough time that we're in, isn't it? I mean, that... I that is, I mean, the Biden administration, I mean, supports Democrats' number one priority for, you know, their first legislative session under Biden, which is the Equality Act, which would institutionalize all of the religion, the threats to religion and free speech that we're talking about in this Finnish case and, and go even farther in, in many cases. So they are openly committed to, you know, again, not just sporadic court cases here and there, but 
nationally institutionalizing the government oppression of Christians and all who dissent from, you know, the government approved speech. <laughs> um, and, 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 but, you know, I mean, so you, you know, of course the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but it always has been right. Um, yep. And so uh, I think we as Christians in America, we have uh, had a false sense of security for a very long time because of what a singular nation we live in and have lived in. Um, you know, but so now we're facing the reality that, that, you know, Christ has always told us, you know, if, if you are my disciples, the world will hate you. That has always been true in every time, in every age, and it is true now, and it may be just easier to see, but hopefully that will, and I mean, hopefully that will turn into um, actually increasing our faith and our reliance on God himself rather than on government to not only ensure our salvation, but our, our peace <laughs> and our security. Well, and I think, you know, if you can look at it in terms of, you know, anybody can say they have faith, but what does your faith look like when the heat gets turned up? You kind of get put into the crucible, right? It really is, kind in a way, it's really a gift to be able to, to show how much we love Jesus and to be that light that we're called to be. So this isn't something to be moaning about and hiding and, you know, lamenting. We ought to be aware of it. We need to make sure that we're battling against it. But it really is a chance for us to shine because this darkness in the world really needs the light. And that's what we're called to be, isn't it? That is absolutely right. And, you know, I, you know, when I interviewed Paivi as well, I have also recently interviewed Jack Phillips um, of Colorado. I, I mm-hmm. talked uh, in person to the bishop in this case. So, I, you know, so when I've been talking to all of these people, I just have been really amazed with this sense of I'm talking to a fellow saint. <laughs> and, you know, we all as Christians, you know, maybe most of us not as publicly and visibly and uh, as these people that I've mentioned and others um, who've really, you know, been kind of at the forefront of receiving these sorts of things. But we are all in our own ways, in our own lives, called, you know, by God to, you know, and endure and suffer for his sake. And many times that will have to come about by us believing what he says when it's unpopular. And, <laughs> and that's just the life of the Christian. Um, so, you know, and if you're not, yeah, I mean, so that's just part of our life. And again, you know, Christ has told us that would be the case. And he also, Paisi told me this, you know, she has felt his sustenance to her and him, you know, pro- providing her, um, you know, the faith and the courage to be able to walk the path that he has given her. Um, so God also promises to do the same for each and every one of us and in each circumstance that we find ourselves in, you know, so, you know, his word will not return void and he will not leave you there standing speechless. Oh, and really he, we have a responsibility, right? Every night you're tucking six kids into bed, right? We have a responsibility. To <laughs> Actually, my husband do that, does that. Oh, bless him. Does, well, <laughs> you allow your husband to tuck those six gifts gifts yeah, yeah. into but but the bottom line is right we have a responsibility if we're not going to stand up and fight and share the truth how are we going to expect them to do it and then what kind of world are we going to leave them if we don't do it right absolutely when i you know think about i mean cuz it is very difficult you know to to do that sort of a thing and i won't claim you know to be as uh, prominent as others but you know my own crosses hard for me to bear sometimes, but then, you know, looking at the faces of my children um, and, and reading, you know, through the word and, and attending church and receiving so spiritual sustenance that way and the encouragement of, of my fellow brethren, that keeps me going. And, and as you mentioned, that's our duty, right? Our, our duty is to, you know, stand, <laughs> stand firm until the end. 
And it's not like we're doing something extraordinary. This is what we're called to do. This is why we're here. We're here, right? This particular time in history for a reason. It's just not some random act. And so I think what you're doing is, you know, by bringing this up to people, letting them see what's going on, not only here in the United States, but in other countries, right? It, it really can be a rallying cry, but it, I, you, we can't really underestimate how important it is for you to bring it up. I know this has been on um, Fox News has covered it as well. I know uh, Representative Chip Roy out of Texas, Tony Perkins, people have spoken up, but we need a multitude of voices talking about this, don't we? All right. That's my job. And that's why I do it. <laughs> but we each of us have our own vocations and jobs, right? Where, you know, uh, to be honest, if I just get to my deathbed, you know, having done my best to be faithful, I think that's all any of us can really hope to do. Maybe some people can do better, but that's my bare minimum goal. <laughs> Life goal. My, my greatest fear is that, you know, at my final judgment, the Lord says, why didn't you say anything? And I can just see me saying, well, people won't like me, wouldn't like me, Lord, or it was going to be hard. And I'm really not seeing him giving me a pat on the back saying, yeah, I understand. No problem. Yeah. I, I don't know if your, your listeners have um, heard it's recently become more popular, but one of the writers that I follow regularly, his name is Aaron Wren, R-E-N-N, but he had um, an article recently in First Things uh, talking about um, kind of the shift that we've made culturally, you know, from he called it positive world to neutral world to negative world for Christian believers. You know, so I, I kind of referred to this tacitly earlier, you know, where, again, Christians have for a long time in this country and enjoyed unusual protections and freedoms, um, you know, uh, blessings of a very unusual form of government. And that would be what he called the positive world. And then, you know, things started to kind of shift into where Christianity was not something that, you know, provided you cultural capital or cachet or made you more respectable, but it was neither good nor bad for a very short time. And now he says we've moved into uh, the negative world where if you are publicly a Christian, um, then it, you know, kind of degrades your your standing in the eyes of the world. But I, again, I think that's the way that Christianity always has been. If you look at the Bible, you know, the people that every day, as well as, you know, the leaders of the Christian church, uh, we're not getting hand claps and plaudits and congratulations for doing the right thing, right? They were being persecuted and thrown into prison. So, you know, that's always been the Christian calling, you know, from basically the beginning of the existence of Christianity, of the Christian church. Um, and so that's, you know, again, if, if you call yourselves a Christian, that's the lot and the cross you've accepted. And, you know, in exchange, the Lord gives us all that we need in order to fulfill those responsibilities. And of course, there's the eternal life part, which I'm pretty much looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this, is, if this is all there is, we're in deep trouble. Uh, hey, yeah. Joy, how can people follow what you're doing? Oh, if you just go to thefederalist.com um, or, you know, you can search my name or The Federalist and I'm on there pretty regular, you know, regularly, weekly. Um, that's probably the best place. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.